so hello and welcome back to the Dentistry Online Podcast. Um, I'm here today with Sophia Bowe, a practice owner from West Yorkshire. Um, so how have the last seven months been for you? Um, well, where do we start? I suppose right at the beginning, um, I, I decided to catch COVID on Mother's Day, um, which is literally the week of lockdown. Um, so that was very challenging because there was so much that I needed to do to get in touch with people and what have you. And I was taken out. I was taken out for about two weeks. I couldn't speak. So great for my husband and probably for most of the team, but it was quite difficult. Um, yeah. Um, so I, it was, I struggled uh, because I had COVID and I, I got it quite badly. I had the full kinkaboodle. So I've got some very nice antibodies to prove it. Um, so that kind of took me out, but it, it, it was in a way it was a good thing. It happened so early. Uh, but also good because it prepared me for this, you know, everything changed um, and it did and everything's still, you know, we're in, the, we're in this new world now. Um, and I guess um, my, if I've got a skill, uh, it's, it's crisis management. So I went into crisis management mode um, and the key thing was making sure that everybody, um, that, that we opened that was a, that was the first thing that we did. I did everything in my power to get us open. Um, it was surreal at first, um, not just not necessarily in terms of the work, because work you'll always you know create something, you'll always um, you, you adapt. But in terms of how the world was evolving and how people were interacting interacting with each other, so the first thing I felt I needed to do was just reassure the team, the entire team, um, that we were going to be opening and we would you know pull out stops to get open because the the calls we were getting from patients that needed to be seen were staggering. We've got 20,000 patients. You're going to have a percentage of those in it with urgent care needs. And the fact that COVID's there doesn't mean that's going to stop. So we looked at that and also looked at the, um, the situation with some of our dentists. You've got some really, you know, from training, you know, DFT dentists right through to, you know, uh, specialist dentists and, and what have you. And, and concerns, you know, about their livelihoods, I think, was, was that. So you're looking from providing service as well as um, the livelihoods of your, your team. Um, and so we quickly set about, uh, we, I reassured everybody that, you know, all the jobs were going to be safe. There was no way that we were just going to stay closed. Um, and then just set about, you know, consulting with the team. Helpful that we've had... Um, Zoom, you know, things where we've been able to, you know, kind of get together um, and then set up a plan really of how to open. Um, and in the light of um, the frustration and confusion, and I, I would call the draconian attitude of some of the so called leaders in dentistry, um, we had to, if you like, find a way through, um, you know whatever regulatory bodies were doing or saying was changing every day. So we just had to have a consistent approach. And we decided that the, the book stopped with the CQC. So they were the first, the first and probably the only regulatory body that we felt, you know, could prevent us or allow us to, to continue, obviously with our insurers and everything, um, the indemnity, indemnifiers. So the CQC were absolutely brilliant. We, um, we got, um, I sent some SOPs across to them, they had a look at them. Um, and whilst they, they can't say that they accept what we're doing, they, they certainly, you know, they, they, um, they didn't make any noises to say that we couldn't. Um, you know, it was urgent care at the time, obviously we weren't going to do routine care. Um, so uh, 
we obviously the practice was closed for some time. Um, we managed to um, set up as an independent um, urgent care hub. Um, and we were the first in the UK to do that. Um, and the second, I think, in the UK was some uh, friends in, in York, which was, you know, it's great because we built, it, Yorkshire built up this great camaraderie between dentists and we all kind of got together. Um, and we set up a hub with about, there was about 14 practices involved in the hub. Um, and then we took on, you know, patients from around the region as well, where they couldn't get to see a dentist. Um, and also we had patients traveling as far as away from Scotland and London. So, um, yeah, we were very busy with, with urgent, dealing with urgent care. Um, and it is a huge learning curve. Uh, we had um, dentists doubling up as nurses. We had our dental therapist was nursing. She took care of triage. So we had, we, we, we were, um, it was all hands to the, to the deck really. And it was exciting because, it, you know, the staff were going into new roles, if you like. And, you know, we, we say we had, we had a full complement of staff in there, learning how to deal with, um, with, with COVID really and the implications to dentistry. I think we'd had some kind of a lead in really because we'd started with our um, extra cross infection controls going right back to, to January, February, um, when I think it was, it was evident and obvious to anyone but the Prime Minister that this was going to happen. So we, we sort of stacked up on, on PPE, so we, we, we got all the things that we needed to do. You know, our suppliers were fantastic. They were warning us back in January that, you know, supplies could start to, you know, to dwindle and stuff. So we just stocked up, so we the gloves and the masks. And then as soon as the CQC saw our SOPs, they just wanted to reassurance that we'd all had fit testing, which of course we didn't know what fit test was. Um, you know, this time I have no idea what it was, but then, you know, we, we found a way. We've got our FFP3 masks, um, um, some, you know, from a really good, again, suppliers coming out and doing things that they've never done before. Um, and they got us our masks. We had our fit test. Um, a really enterprising um, chap called Adam Glassford works with us. He's, he's one of our, he's our implant dentist. He works all over the place. Um, very well known, very well respected chap just said, look, you know, if you need to do fit testing, um, he, went, he went out with his wife, did a fit testing course and did our fit testing, um, which was great. So it was brilliant. So it meant it, he was doing all this to enable us to work. And Adam went off and set up his own PPE company, which has been phenomenally successful. He's got a patent on a product, which is absolutely brilliant, which is a, a gown that can be autoclave, surgical gown. So, we, so he's been inspiring. There's been... Some other people that I've met along the way, um, an organisation was formed called the British Association of Private Dentistry, obviously very well known now. And these people have just got together through sheer frustration um, and have been out there inspiring so many dentists who, who thought that their, you know, their career was like the most dangerous in the world and had been vilified, you know, been told that we're operating the most, um, the highest risk, possible um, where with no known transmissions at the moment in a dental practice you know so it, all these things were happening and being chucked at us and and we thought well no we're only going to look at the positives here the positives are we've got to provide a safe service for our patients if they're in, in need but the, the, the view the CQC has is you do for a patient what you do for your own mother so if that tooth can be saved you know, we've got a couple of, of um, you know, an endodontist can be very useful at times like that, where they might have more confidence and do a one visit um, endo and save that tooth. 
the fact that it produces an AGP, well, you just take, you, you put your PPE on and, and, and you deal with that patient, but you get, you get a better outcome for that patient than just having a tooth pulled. So we took that view. The CQC were fully on board with this and support it, provided we were offering safe care um, and provided we had all of the cross-infection controls in place, which um, it, it's unbelievable how clean all of the dental practices are. And I, if they were clean, you know, before, they, they, it's... it's Spells and braces, yeah. Um, and the people in our organisation who've had COVID, none of them have, it's never, there's been no incidents, no no case within the practices. And we've done about 20,000 procedures, separate procedures, since we went back. So, and I think a lot, a lot, lot of peers, you know, not, they've had the same, you know, they've not, there's not been a spread of COVID in the dental practices. So all of this, um, it was unsubstantiated, um, not evidence-based at all. Suggestion that dental practice was a dangerous place to be um, has not been borne out by by the facts. And you know we've had to work in that situation, but we took the decision that we were going to be positive and and keep going. So um, we've kind of taken that view and we've run with it. And so. From from then till now, yeah, it's that's all we've been doing really. Yeah, it, it does sound like you've you've been very sort of prepared, um, you've taken sort of quite a calm stance and you've just I think got on with it in a way as, as well as you could have in the in the given circumstances. Mm. And and that's great. Um what what would you say was the biggest obstacle for you? Because you were just saying there there was this perception of the dental practice being a dangerous place, you know, a, a, a setting of high transmission, but like you said, there's been no evidence to prove that. What yeah. would you say this was the biggest obstacle or was it was it something else? The obstacle is a good word because it was an obstacle that was placed there. It, it wasn't just an inconvenience. It was something that I think required so many people getting together to find to try to find a way through it. Um, and it was it was almost I felt at some point and it, and um, I know there's been criticism of CQC. I'm not going to be one of those that's criticised them because they've always been great absolutely brilliant all you need to do is approach them and they're you know they're evolving as well but you know um the obviously with the when the letters came out um from the cdo um telling everyone to cease um dentistry because of this notion of of agps um okay at first you 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 know at the whole the whole country the whole world stopped but then it then nothing happened. There was no real, um, there didn't seem to be any progress being made. You were just told to stop. You were just told that you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't go out to work. In, um, indemnifiers were, I think, almost using it as, you know, as an excuse not to indemnify. Um, thankfully, some of the indemnifiers were, were great and continue to indemnify. Um, and there apart from a very few dentists I spoke to, practice owners I spoke to, the majority just wanted to get back to work. You know, the, the view was taken and one of my um, practice principals said that, you know, we have chosen, we are a frontline healthcare, we've chosen to take risks, that's, that's what we do, that's why we're there. Um, and that toothache doesn't stop just because it's a pandemic. And, and that, of course that was true, I mean, if someone's willing to travel as far from Scotland and London. In fact, we had um, an endodontist, an endodontic practice in London referred one of their patients to one of our um, endodontic, the endodentists um, because he was taking care of his patient. He wanted to make sure his patient had, you know, endo and not have a tooth pulled. This is the kind of 
the dentist put, coming together and caring, absolutely caring for their patients and doing what was right for them. I found it, I think, um, it was easy for me because not being a dentist, um, I'm a, you know, I, I, I troubleshoot problems. I'll go in and find a way through. And that's, that's, that's my skill. That's what my, um, if you like, my qualification or experience is in. Um, and it was, I, I felt, I really felt for the dentists who had to do all of this work for their own practices because they've got these regulators breathing down the neck. They've got the issues potentially with the GDC, with their indemnifiers. And, and whereas I didn't have that, risk of the CQC so we, we worked together we found a way and all shared you know our experiences and, and encouraged each other to, to open and for the ones that did I've you know I'm speaking to them all now they're saying that they're, they're busier than ever you know it's it, they're really pleased relieved that they opened and and again I mentioned the British Association of Private Dentistry they've been instrumental in support for the practitioners that were left left to rot if you like and no support from the government for self-employed private practitioners you know because the there was a cap on the self-employment rates and you know and i think um I, you know i've heard some negative tales as well about um practice owners who haven't paid um their associates you know some that might be receiving dam plan fees haven't paid them to them so we've had you know stories like that and also not paying nhs fees out to dentists so I think we've, we've had few thankfully not many people trying to profiteer from that so the obstacles that get thrown away is that um, as soon as the NHS gets wind of the fact that some practitioners aren't paying their dentists they then make you do all of this extra work to prove that you are paying staff and what have you so all this extra reg regulation came in um, and we've, we've all had to adapt it's created a lot more work for us all but it, the most important things that we got our dentists out, got our therapists, nurses, staff out back onto the front line um, and started to treat our patients. Um, and the patients have been very grateful, good. generally. That's, that's, that's good to hear. I think increasingly so now I'm starting to hear that patients are just, just want to get back to the dental practice. They just want to be seen, they want to get treatment um, and they want their problem solved. So that perception that the, the dental practice was dangerous, I'm, I'm I could quite confidently say now, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I think has, has been broken down um, a lot. And, and it's, it's, it's hopefully, fingers crossed, getting back into that a pattern now of seeing people. Obviously, there's still going to be the regulations in place currently. There's the PPE requirements and, and that is a hindrance in itself. But and I, I kind of hate the phrase new normal because I think it's used quite a lot. But I do feel like now a lot, a lot of people are falling back into into the routine in this sort of new normal if that makes sense it makes complete sense yeah um, and i think it's it's here to stay um, I, I, I yeah i i can't see it um i can't see it going away anytime soon um so it's just a case of like what you've you've said you're just getting on with it and making sure patients are being seen making sure your, your staff are being looked after um and and you're doing as much as you can um in the current circumstances but you, you said earlier, you know, you're not a dentist yourself. You've been a, a practice owner since 2000. Um, how does this time now compare to maybe pre-pandemic times? Um, how, what has changed in your role? What is, yeah, what has it brought for you? Um, very, very, very simply, in terms of um, business, um, we've got slightly longer appointment times for AGPs. It's probably uh, the, the biggest single change where you have to adapt your business model um, from a finance coming from a financial background it, it's it, it comes it does ultimately come down to how you can manage the finances 
one really heartening thing, heartwarming thing to come out of this for us is, is I mean, we've, we've got, obviously everyone thinks that they've got the best team. We actually do have the best team mm -hmm. in the UK uh, working the practices, but the sense of solidarity of the team, that's really strengthened. Yeah. And we've all come to rely on each other and trust each other more. Um, and it's great that the sharing of the team and the ideas and if you like the newness of everything means that I've asked everybody to contribute to how they think we can move forward. I don't have all the answers uh, and we've had some fantastic ideas, you know, from, you know, from how we do the cleaning to, you know, of training nurses ideas for, for what we do to, you know, how we welcome patients. Do we have the mouthwash? Do we do this? Do we do that? And it's been, that, that's, for me, been so positive. I'm not saying it wasn't there before, but it's, I think it, it's, it's a bit like the whole country, you know, people have come together in a way um, that this has brought out the best in people. So that, that's, that's a great thing. And, I, and from a business point of view, it really helps. If you've got a positive team, patients walk through the door and they feel that. And we've had so many messages of, of well, just people are grateful. We've had, people with tears of relief, patients coming in and, and stuff. And, and when you've got a supportive environment where it's clear that you're there, you know, so you've got your PPE on, so it's a bit strange, but everyone's got used to that, but they, they, they know there that we're there for them. And I, I, I think that's, that's a, you know, it's, it's there in droves now. Um, and another thing that um, has happened in Yorkshire anyway, I met a, a couple called um, Rebecca and Richard Fairstow who have a practice locally and they were part of our hub. We all formed the hub together. Um, and we've all kind of continued um, with this Yorkshire hub. Um, and Richard um, had this idea about setting up a cooperative. So it's the, you know, non-profit making organization, which is going to be there specifically to help independent practices. Um, and it's, it's actually been set up now. So we're about to go live and we're gonna help like, you know, each other, simple, simple things such as if a nurse down, maybe someone's got a spare nurse to go, very simple things like that. Stock ordering, um, bulk ordering, getting deals, discounts. And so the dentistry, which was a bit fragmented, particularly in Leeds, in North Leeds um, in particular, where there's a lot of practices, everyone's just come together uh, to help each other and form these little groups where, you know, we can pick up the phone to say, oh, you know, I had one the other day. Oh, have you got any um, antibody test kits? Yeah, okay. Or you can have some, and and it's that, and it's almost like keeping the flow going. Um, so, in a way, I think it's more positive what's happened for those that are willing to stick their neck out. I think they're they're really reaping the benefits of this and working around the quagmire of of regulation, which really it's changing from day to day anyway. So I think we're pretty much ignoring the things now that make absolutely no sense and aren't evidence-based, of which there is plenty. A lot of it's available online. So, you know, fill your boots. But, you know, we, we, as long as you've got strong SOPs and they're compliant and you, you're good with the CQC and your insurers are happy and your staff are happy and not, no one's catching COVID in your workplace, I think, you know, green light to everything. Off you go. Yeah, yeah no, definitely. I think a lot of people are taking that attitude now. And I think you're right. I think this is something that nobody would have wished happened. Nobody wanted this to happen. Um, Obviously, there's been the, a very horrible side to it as well, like we spoke about earlier. But also, that doesn't mean you can't take away positives from it. And um, I think you're right. I think it has brought um, the profession together. I mean, do you think 
do you think you know you mentioned this cooperative you've just set up do you think that would have been set up otherwise um it, it was strange when i was talking to richard about it um it was something that i tried to set up about 20 years ago when when i first you know got involved in buying practices um and we, then i I sort of went on the board of the PCT, the one of the local PCTs there, and, and got so involved in the practices that and, and that that we just shelved it. But I think this is definitely it's not it, uh, it it's a unique event, which I don't think we would have brought this about before. Everyone was in their own little bubbles, doing their own little thing. And one thing that I think is really important, and I know that there's there's going to be certain people that don't like what I say here, but um, the smaller independent practices um, are really, you know, now's their chance to shine and show their real strength and not get picked off um, by some of the corporates, the big corporates. And I think, you know, one of the things that the cooperative is designed to do is to create that environment for, for the small, well, it doesn't matter if it's an NHS practice or private practice or a mixed practice, but to create that framework where it's not all about hitting targets and this, that and the other. We're just there to help each other to build, you know, the strength. And so we're not a little practice. We're part of an organisation. So we have the autonomy within our practices, but we know we've got friends out there. And I think right now that's so, so important for those, those smaller practices to, to, to be counted and to feel that they've got, got a place in dentistry. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said earlier, there's been such a lack of financial support um mm. the private side of things from the government that sadly there's uh, there's been practices that have closed and, and won't reopen um but then you know there's the flip side and you've got people who who perhaps haven't closed but were not the flip side but but, but struggled through it but are now coming out the other side and and if you've got things going on that like you're creating here the cooperatives it's, it's bringing them together and and i think sometimes as well it's just knowing that other people are going through the same thing as you can can actually really help um, in situations like this, knowing that you're not alone, um, with other people who are struggling, and if you can talk about it and and speed up the process of, like you said, getting together PPE, um, uh, helping out if they've got a, if they're a staff member down, it makes a massive difference, and it can just give people that extra sort of even like a morale boost to just keep going and and understand that this is a difficult time, but you will come out the other end um, better for it, hopefully. Absolutely, and not to feel bad about themselves. You know, we've had some great people out there have felt so insecure and, and, and vulnerable with what's happened. And it's like, you're okay. I, mean, I was talking to one um, dentist in particular who had just bought a, a practice, an implant practice in North Yorkshire, I think it is, at, you know, the high end price. And he's literally just completed and then this happens. So, it, it, you know, it's like, what do I do? I said, you open you you you, you just um, well I'm, am i allowed to of course you are and and it's that and and it's you know get on with it and, and keep and keep moving i think was the key thing um it's going to be interesting to see what happens with with the, the larger corporates and how their models um are how they develop going forward now's the time for the small independence i think absolutely you know realize you've got the strength in numbers and, and organizations like the bapd um, you know, hopefully the BDA are now um, kind of getting back there and, and they're truly supporting the dentists. So it's not all corporatized. Mm. So looking looking forward then off the back of that, where do you see dentistry heading and progressing? What, what do you see? I know that's kind of difficult to say because it is, it is speculation, but in your opinion, how would you see the next sort of 12 months unfolding? 
Um, I think for those um, practice owners, dentists, associates, clinic, clinical staff, non-clinical staff, those that hold their nerve, I think there's a huge opportunity here. Um, I can't remember who it was that they were talking about, <clears throat> they were doing some kind of survey in April, May, and they were saying, what you know, talking to the public, you know, what's the first thing you're going to do when you come out of lockdown? And apparently um, the second, uh, the, the thing that people had second on the list was going to see the dentist. So there was neat, that, and that was above hairdressers and pubs, which I, I don't know if I believe the bit about pubs because I knew where I was going to go first, but certain dentistry is there. So there is a, a huge market for dentistry. There's a huge demand for dentistry, which there always has been. And, and I, I think for those practices that are organized um, and have, you know, put in all the necessary changes and have got a plan, um, and haven't lost all the staff, um, then I think there's a great future. In terms of NHS dentistry, it's, it's very difficult to know. Um, I don't have much faith in, in the leadership at the moment. And I'm not talking about local leadership. There's, been, there's some great people out there, um, you know, in the clinical commissioning groups and the NHS. I'm talking about right at the top. I think it's almost, it, it strikes me that what's happened is it's, it's this whole pandemic has been turned into a drama. And there's, um, you know, it's almost a need for that vision that, that you have there to be rolled out and using the pandemic as an excuse. Mm. Um, and I don't know if that, if that pattern continues with the NHS, you know, I think there's a lot of practitioners that will leave the NHS. Yeah. Um, or that the NHS itself would, might just become an urgent, you know, um, it, I'm, I'm talking years down the line, and that would be a real shame. Um, because patients are already beginning to feel it, you know, particularly with the, we've had the, the you know, the imposed, um, the AGP uh, down the downtime, the fallow periods, which mythical, non-evidence-based rubbish about why it should be an hour. Um, there's already evidence coming out in America, from America, um, uh, you know, that suggests that it's one of the safest places to be in a dental practice because we've been doing cross-infection control for the last few decades. So we, we're kind of already not experts on it, but we're already prepared for it. And, and I think I've, I sense this stubbornness um, with the leadership, or maybe it's just self-justification to why such damaging decisions were taken um, and I don't know if the NHS will recover from that, from that. I hope it does. I hope we bring in new leadership. I hope the role of the CQC is more involved with the NHS. I mean the CQC have are constantly evolving and constantly trying to reach out. And I hope the CQC is more involved in dentistry because the CQC I think out of all the regulators that I feel have been the grown-ups in the room here. So that would be one positive thing, I think, for NHS dentistry is that the CQC can have a little bit more um, say as to how it goes. Yeah. Um, but as an industry, brilliant. And I know that there's plenty of um, there's plenty of investors out there from outside the UK that are interested in buying UK dentistry. I, one of the things that I do is I'm a consultant with, um, uh, you know, for, for private investors and equity investors, and and I'm frequently asked you know, the market. 
and, and where it is in terms of investment investment and there's a lot of interest from outside um, the UK so um, I'm, I'm kind of hoping if we stay British on things uh, that's why I really hope that the um, the, the, the smaller um, corporates independence hold their nerve and keep going because it's got a great future yeah no I think you're right and the more there's some specifics there that like you said there is perhaps a little bit of worry surrounding some areas of dentistry but as a whole you're right in saying that it is, it is a robust industry um, there's always a need for dentistry um, and like you said that that survey that, that you mentioned earlier it speaks for itself it's, it's high on people's lists and um, that's not going to go away anytime soon and if anything particularly when you bear in mind things like cosmetic dentistry it's, it's only going to increase um, so uh, yeah, I, I, I agree and I, I think you're right in, in having faith that you'll, you'll pull through and, and come out bigger and better. Yeah, I think we're mentioning cosmetic dentistry. We have seen a huge increase in yeah. demand um, and we, we know we do a lot of cosmetic work anyway. Um, and it's been, you know, it's great because we've got, you know, these particularly two of the dentists in our group, I'm thinking about in particular, who just love creating you know, the makeovers. Uh, they've, they've never been so busy. Um, so it's great and it's great to see that enthusiasm but I also I think it's been it's really heartening because we're now what was it March was lockdown wasn't it and we're in so we're eight months down the line now aren't we um, and we've got the demands increasing it's like I think the public has gone the opposite way mm. to what um, what we probably thought and people are saying look I'm gonna have it done now like you know get your hair done you know get your teeth done I think you know it's great yeah definitely I think for a lot of people it's it's the right time um, and there is definitely some merit in, I think when, you, when you're, a lot of people were furloughed or a lot of people were working from home and um, a lot of people weren't moving around as much. So in some cases they will have more money to spend um, and they will, they will look, look towards ways they can, uh, where they can spend that. And, and that is gonna fall into dentistry a lot of the time, particularly when, you know, like what we're doing when you're spending so much time looking at yourself. Um, it, well, yeah. Well there's that. I mean, it goes right from the clinical um, to the cosmetic and, and I think certainly it's interesting with our implant uh, patients because we have an implant centre as part of what we do. And, and um, so we, we get referrals for implants from practices, you know, all over. Um, and we have a list of, of patients that go back. Some of them will want the implant, you know, there and then. Some say, look, I'm going to wait for a year or whatever. Obviously, these things can be quite expensive. Um, and what we found is with people coming back from as far back as 2017 saying, right, I'm going to have my implant now. And, it, and it's it's amazing that you know this is happening since we opened our doors for implants back in to back in July. We're just inundated with with patients coming back now saying, well, I'll have that have that implant now. Maybe um, it's this sense of well, you know, our mortality has been you know brought into play, and it's like, well, you know, I'm going to spend some time on me now. I'm going to do what's important for me. Um, and you know, right? I'd like to. I'd like to because I'd like to be able to eat properly, or I'd like to have those nice teeth. And I and I think you know, it's great, and it's 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 a really common theme as well. So yeah, um, yeah. well, that's definitely definitely positive. I think I think the cliche does come into here. You know, life is too short. Um, I think that's on everybody's mind um, right now. So, like you said, it's gonna it's gonna make people think. Actually, you know, now's the time to to do what I've been meaning to do for all this time. Um, and go through with it so yeah it's it's I can imagine it's being seen in, seen in the dentist dental industry but also elsewhere as well um, I mean my champagne bill's gone through the roof <laughs> I think, well you know 
Okay, yeah. well, I might have a drink. You know, champagne, how amazing the world is. Because, uh, yeah, I had a little brush with COVID and I thought, I, you know, just go for it. You don't know, do you? You don't know it's gone. I, I think, you know, it's certainly for us dentists, we've, we've, got, we've got a lot of patients in the chairs. So, yeah. uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Great to hear. That is great to hear. Um, but just, just to finish off, um, moving away from dentistry um, a little bit, what, what is it that you like to do outside of, outside of uh, managing, managing your practices? Well, as I'm clearly very old now, I, I, we, we have a place, uh, my husband and I have a place uh, in the Highlands. Um, so we spend as much time as we can there. Obviously, it's been difficult through the pandemic with um, lockdowns and what have you. So, you know, basically, you know, we, we, the house kind of overlooks the sea and we see nuclear submarines racing up and down. So things like that, which are, which are great. And, and I'd like to cook and paint portraits. So those are sort of my um, hobbies if you like. so very lazy things lots of walks as well <laughs> nothing wrong with lazy um <laughs> that's brilliant what what are you are you um do you specialize in terms of cooking is there anything you're good at cooking in particular or is it just um just about anything I, i'm particularly into italian cooking at the moment and, and, and mexican um cooking i actually baked my first proper loaf of bread the other day um which was the, well the, the only successful loaf I've ever baked uh, it was at this time, but all my previous attempts, of, even the sheep on the croft wouldn't eat it. So um, no, that was good. Well, uh, yeah. well, big moment for you then. Congrats. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, thank you very much for, for coming on to speak to me today. Um, it's been it's been really good chat. And um, yeah, good luck with everything. It sounds like you're you're on the ball and you're, you're heading for a, a bright future. That's great, Gabby. Love to talk to you. Thank you.